This is Coda Radio, episode 510 for March 20th, 2023. Hey buddy, welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business, the software development, and the world of technology. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week, sometimes twice in one week, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Misa back, and Misa opening a bank, baby. Yeah, you should call it Florida Valley Bank. FVB. With every checking account, you get your own little baby gator. <laughs> With every account, you get F in the name. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Dominic. Hello. It feels like it's been a full week. You know, it feels feel, but we were uh, we were we were just like blown away by the guns on our editor. Drew. Drew. He oh, must yeah. have like finger muscles and arm guns for that mouse because he cranked out two coders in one week to help us catch up and blown away we, we weren't sure when it would come out we we're like well we'll do it and when it comes out it'll come out and now he crushed it so a big thank you to uh drew for uh, getting it out there for the coder listeners we really appreciate it of course we got hardly any emails i got more scams and people trying to sell us crap than i did uh emails or trying to buy the show I, I saw that one come by it was good stuff <laughs> so you know what hey i mean you know, times are tough. Maybe it's time. You know, a lot of my podcast buddies out there are panicking because they cannot sell ad spots. So, you know what? Maybe maybe we should say yes. But Joel emailed in and he has an idea. This is inspired by that CoreJS developer who couldn't make a buck for a library that ton of ton of projects use, right? And so we've been discussing this on the show for a couple of weeks. Like, what would be a realistic model for free software that is critical too to make money? Joel says, If I found myself hungry for breakfast and the sole maintainer of an important piece of open source infrastructure, I might just add a big QR code at the top of my GitHub readme. And it would say something like, quote, until there is X amount of Bitcoin at this address, only commits pushed to this repo will be released, will be release notes. The only commits will be release notes. So you can see what you're missing out on. Thanks for your donation. He says, ransom money pays the bills. So this should free software should switch to a ransomware model where you can see the change log, you could you can see the patches coming in, uh, but you don't actually get the release until like uh, you could call it a bounty. Maybe you don't call it a ransom. Maybe you call it a bounty or a goal, you know, some sort of Kickstarter type language that's like built into the GitHub page. And when the funding meter is when you smash that funding goal, then the uh, the tar files just like become available or something. I like it. I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's going to work, but hey, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. You're here to hear everybody. Michael Dominic endorses the ransomware model for free software. He's on board with it. Was I not supposed to say that, Ivan? Shh, my bad. I was just thinking through the ramifications on that one. I just stepped in the borscht. <laughs> hey, you know, I wanted to mention, not that it's like really super relevant yet, but I did set up for some reason, a Linux Fest Northwest matrix chat room where we can start organizing with folks that maybe want to contribute or just want to coordinate or want to know what the plan is in real time. Uh, so I have a link in the show notes to the Linux Fest Northwest chat room. And then just as a bit of a Hail Mary, I'm just mentioning the Friday that this episode comes out. So this is like, if you're listening to this the week it came out, it's Friday, March 24th. 
our buddy Brent is in Berlin and he's putting together an impromptu meetup for Berlin listeners. And I'll have a link to the meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting page. He's there for a very special NextCloud event, which there'll be more information about in a couple of days. But uh, in the meantime, you'll have to wait for deets on that. But NextCloud has some big stuff they're cooking up. So he's in Berlin to uh, cover that and uh, doing an impromptu meetup on the 24th. So meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. If you're in the area and you can make it, it is totally an impromptu thing. It all kind of came together at the last minute. So sorry we couldn't give you more. Heads up. And then to um, help coordinate that, real-time communication and all that, there is a Berlin Buds Matrix chat room. So I'll also put a link to that so people in Berlin can coordinate there. That's a lot. I just put a lot on people there. It's a lot of German. I like it. It is. It is. And the thing is, is like, I know it's like, by the time the show comes out, it's just a matter of days until the meetup. So it's a long shot. But at the same time, I'd feel like such a jerk if I didn't give the Coda Radio audience, you know, a crack to go say hi to Brent. Yeah, he's a nice guy. We should also probably plug our Coda Radio jobs room. Oh, yeah. There's a jobs room, too. Mm-hmm. I'll put a link. All right. So I'll put a link. So we have a jobs room. So that's for folks that either have jobs that they're looking to fill. Right. Or for people in tech that need jobs. And uh, we'll put a link. We've got a matrix chat room. We're just doing a simple matrix chat room for folks to exchange uh, contact info. I-, I think we're like over 30, 40 people that have had connections made now, too. So I love it. That is really great. Yeah, good idea. So I'll put all of those links for all those three different rooms in the show notes. Linode.com slash coder. That's where you go to get $100 in 60-day credit, and it's a great way to support this here podcast. The Coder Radio podcast is made possible by you taking advantage of our sponsor offers. So go to linode.com slash coder, get that $100, and try out the Linode platform. Linode is perfect for developers. Maybe you just need a simple personal server for a project you're working on. Or maybe you have something for a team that you want to actually have multiple people bang on. Linode has got you covered. And it'll scale with your needs if the app never grows or if the app grows like crazy. I witnessed this with Matrix directly. We deployed a Matrix server just simply to get some understanding about how the back end works so we could cover it fully in Linux Unplugged. And then within a few months, we had a couple of thousand users. And then a few months after that, we had a couple thousand more. And before we knew it, we needed to scale. And we needed to scale quickly. And Linode was there for each tier that we needed to go through. And it's easy. It's simple. And it's straightforward because they have a UI that makes sense, that's easy to understand, that gives you good feedback to what it's doing while it's doing it. (laughs) You know? Like, it's just the small things like that that I really like. And unlike the entry-level hosting services, probably all know friends and family, small businesses that have gotten into these. They just try to lock you in, right? But Linode, they'll give you the full backend access to customize and control the server to fit your needs when you need it. And they have a brilliant DNS manager that allows you to easily switch your domain to your new server, manage SSL certificates. They have tooling around all of that. And of course, when you get that $100, you can deploy any of these systems and really kick the tires. And they'll snap in with any existing infrastructure management tooling that you might have. Linode can be a great multi-cloud partner as well. They have incredible uptime. I mean, I, I, I'm not aware of any downtime we've had in years being customers. Uh, but they, you know, they market at 99.9%, of course. But I'm, I'm unaware of any downtime in our entire time being a customer. But try it yourself. Go see how you like it. Go see why so many of my friends use it. Maybe it should be part of your multi-cloud strategy as well. More and more companies are saving money by moving to Linode. Try it out. See if it works for you. Kick the tires and support the show. 
Go to linode.com slash coder. Linode is dedicated to offering the best in virtualized cloud computing. If you want it to run well on Linux, run it on Linode. Linode.com slash coder. All right, so I don't normally cover these types of stories, but this one has been making waves in the Linux community at scale, the Southern California Linux Expo that just wrapped up, I think by the time this comes out a couple of weeks ago, had one of those classic keynotes at the end where they brought on Unix Luminary co-creator Ken Thompson. And he talked about all kinds of things, including his 75-year-long project to uh, build a good music collection, as he puts it. But the thing that's making a lot of news, and I have to be honest, the reason why I'm playing it is because it resonated with me. Ken talks about after years, like a lifetime of using Mac OS, he's switching to Linux. What's your uh, operating system of choice today? Uh, I have for most of my life, because I was sort of born into it, uh, run Apple. All right. Now, recently, meaning within the last five years, I've become more and more and more depressed and... And, and what, what Apple is doing to something that should allow you to work is just atrocious. But they are taking a lot of space and time to do it, so it's okay. <laughs> and uh, I have come within the last month or two to say, even though I've invested you know, a zillion years in, in Apple, I'm throwing it away. And I'm going to Linux, to Raz, Raspbian in particular. All right. Uh, anyway, I'm half transitioned now. I think it's pretty interesting because he touches on a couple of things there, that it's been getting worse and worse for years and that they do it slowly enough that you can see it coming. Like we've talked about it now for a while, but it is true. It all resonates with me. I, I am astonished with how bad the Mac OS experience is now on my MacBook Max. I have so many menu bar items that I have to run bartender just to hide them. And I have these weird problems where certain applications are constantly reinserting themselves into the startup items. And you combine that with just horrendous practices by some major software vendors, one of which I'll get into in a moment, uh, that make the experience now feel very much like the peak Windows XP experience, where there's a dozen different installer types, everything has to run in the background, Everything checks for its own updates, and you have all of these different kind of conflicting uh, corporate priorities that are running on one machine, and it just is a horrendous experience. You know, when I reboot that machine now, I, I, get, I have to give it minutes of time after it's logged in for all the stuff to start, all the apps to log into their cloud services, everything to sync up. It's, it's worse than I think I ever thought it could be on macOS, and I don't think it happens all at once. I think it takes about a year, like it used to with Windows, of building up and adding software and just sort of using it. it, it like when you first get the machine, it's fresh, it's fast, but it doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Yeah, I mean, sure, right? They're doing a lot of annoying stuff. I get it. I, I sort of hope that they're going to come up with some software redesign. Like a whole new OS base? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to like it. What if it was... What if it was 
rebased on iOS, which I realized was originally based on macOS. Yeah, it's like weird, right? Is that what do you think about him switching to Raspbian and this? Do you think what do you think about that in general? Like, what a weird choice, don't you think? What a weird choice, right? I like maybe Ubuntu was too flashy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or he, I know he has a lot of Raspberry Pis. I know right. he's a big Raspberry Pi guy, but still as a desktop, not only is a Raspberry Pi not a not even a decent desktop machine. I mean, just look at your disk I/O options. But Raspbian is a Linux distribution made by people who don't understand Linux. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's true. It just doesn't do things that you would expect. It's it's weird. It's a weird Linux. I don't know, but I there is something to this. There's something there to this core of like Linux. I feel like is long term moving in the direction of improvement, and macOS is being taken over by entropy. Maybe it's it's the fact that you just over time free software projects just kind of people tinker away at them and improve them over time. You have fresh blood come in. They they have new ideas, new design concepts. Here's why I say all this: We now live in a time. Where you can have, and it's going to be even better soon with something like BcacheFS, but we now live in a time where you can buy a $1,000 laptop that has a super fast SSD. You can put BcacheFS one day or ButterFS today, and you get advanced file system features like snapshots and volumes and compression and encryption and sending and receiving. And then you have a really nice clean i know people some people still hate system d but i think it's a nice clean system orchestration management tooling that makes it super straightforward for people to learn how to run services start and stop services on their box you combine that with built-in docker or container support and a built-in virtualizer that's best in industry and then desktop environments like plasma 527 and gnome 44 which are reaching a level of polish that exceeds anything that we've seen in the linux desktop in the last decade I mean, it's really starting to come together. And then you combine that with the efforts of FlatHub to create an actual universal app store for Linux that is based on a universal packaging format that's a community-run repository with a little LLC behind it. I think we're starting to see a very complete picture from containerized desktop applications to containerized server applications Wayland is the, you know, what Wayland clients on the front end, system D in the middle, modern Linux kernel underneath it all. It's pretty simple. It's pretty elegant. And it's really kind of starting to coalesce at a time where Mac OS seems to be suffering from entropy more than ever. I feel like Mac OS is suffering basically a strategy tax, right? Sure. I, I almost think it's kind of the iPad question has still not been answered. Is it a computer? Is it a consumption device? Um, it turns out, kind of both right what if it's developer turnover right because you think about all the original people that helped create mac os from next that then modified it at apple pretty much all gone right some including the big names but even just like the regular day-to-day engineers and so there's just been a ton of turnover and it's a big legacy project with a bunch of people that didn't start it probably what windows is facing to a large degree as well Maybe right. I, I would I would almost say that Windows and Mac ha- are both very extreme, and that Windows is we will support everything, including VisiCalc. Yeah, and that creates just a set of problems. Like I feel a lot of the pain points on Mac OS over the last couple of years have been it's just kind of not a standard. I can't. I gotta be careful with this one. It's not. It's weird, right? It's it's just weird. 
I mean, it, it, yeah. It's getting, it's, I think it's getting weirder because you have all these different vendors that have all of their different methods to install software. Let's talk about one that's quite bad. Let's transition to Microsoft Edge. Oof. So Microsoft Edge is a product that when Microsoft launched, it seemed kind of like a crazy moonshot to try to replace Internet Explorer that was getting more and more relevant. And they actually, they actually kind of managed to do it. I admit, I went in with low expectations. But they delivered on kind of like a competitive Chromium-based browser, wouldn't you say? I like Edge. When I run Linux, I use Edge as my primary browser. So <laughs> that's a statement. Mm, wow. Mm, ooh. I don't do that. But I do have Edge installed on all of my Linux computers. And there's a, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, it happens to handle WebRTC applications the most efficiently, in my opinion. And so I'll run Firefox as my daily driver, and then I'll run Edge for some of the WebRTC apps I need. And I've been really happy with it. So I, on one of my systems, I subscribe to the dev channel of Edge. And um, things are going sideways. And Microsoft is really gambling here. And I think they're screwing the pooch, jumping the shark, insert your own metaphor right here. Couple of things. So first, I, I noticed a brand new slick UI is rolling out on Linux, and admittedly, I, I kind of like the new UI. It doesn't look too bad. It's more rounded. It differentiates itself more from Chrome. I think they went in a very good direction there, but they couldn't resist the old tricks of Microsoft, the ye old bundling, and of course, they've now bundled in their Bing bot into the sidebar of Edge. And if you want to try the Bing bot, you have to use Edge. And if you're on macOS and you have an old version of Edge, you can't use it until you update. And if you update, you have to have the Microsoft Auto Updater enabled and allowed to run at startup. If you don't, Edge refuses to update. So then you have to re-download the package because, of course, they don't just give you the app image that you could just open up, expand, and drag. They make you go download a package installer. It then resets up all the Microsoft auto-updater stuff in the background, which I hate and runs horribly on my machine and sometimes locks up, just so that way I can install Edge, so then I can have the bot in my sidebar. That's bad enough. But of course, this new UI also doesn't work well on Linux, like the minimize button actually maximizes. The maximize button doesn't do anything. So it's got those little issues. But then they took it a step too far. And now it appears that new dev builds of Edge are testing a built-in Ethereum wallet into the browser. Microsoft is turning Edge into a coin wallet. And it's unbelievable. It's designed to allow you to send and receive Ethereum and NFTs. This is creating a target on the Edge browser, number one. And it is this process of bundling every stupid little initiative they can think of into the browser. And it inevitably creates a browser that's basically an operating system like Chrome that creates an incentive to fork and have a slim, thinner browser. They are essentially turning Edge into the very thing they set off to replace. And to put a crappy Ethereum wallet into a Microsoft browser is boggles the mind what the logic could possibly be behind this idea. 
Well, I mean, I guess it's my phrase of the day, right? It's it's all a strategy tax. Everybody who isn't Apple is trying to find the next big thing, right? Is it ChatGTP? A week ago, it was apparently going to be uh, crypto wallets and Web3. What happened? Something changed? Um, Microsoft would love to control an ecosystem on all these platforms. And Well, they're about, uh, they're about two years too late to the NFT hype. I don't know if they noticed, but NFTs are dead and uh, the monetary environment is tight. Then also, Mike, so when you throw your crappy Ethereum into their crappy new wallet and you're testing it for Microsoft, they give you a little warning, quote, as a tester, you will use your own funds. In the event of a loss of funds, Microsoft will not reimburse any loss. <laughs> so in other words, you could use our crappy wallet, but you got to put your own money in there. And if anything happens due to bugs in our wallet, you're out. <laughs> like, And that's always going to be the problem with a browser-based wallet that is built in to the actual browser that's in the browser using that. It's crazy, right? Like this is where I think Git Albi really walked the line. Albi is an extension that is connecting you to their backend services. The wallet doesn't live in the browser. It just connects you to their backend services through authentication. And that that's a clever way to do it. This is nuts. And it's making Edge huge. I really, I couldn't be more worked up about it. You combine that with these things like the Bing bar. And it just, it really feels like the worst of old Microsoft, where they would bundle everything together and force you to essentially adopt it. I don't know. And it's just classic. It's classic Microsoft to uh, to be going this direction now at this point in the market. Like, uh, just like, miss that one, boys. <laughs> uh, just miss that train. Oh, now they're, now they're going to try again with chat GTP, but don't call it four because version numbers don't matter until three days later when they apparently do. <laughs> Tailscale.com slash coder. Go there to get a free personal account for up to 20 devices. It's not a limited time deal. You can get that for 20 devices, and it's a great way to support the show. You're going to love Tailscale. It's a zero-config VPN that you can get up and running on your devices in minutes. And Tailscale lets you easily manage resources. So say you need to get into an SSH machine, or say you need to transfer files. Say you want to have specific access controls for specific people. Tailscale lets you do all of that securely from anywhere while accessing your data over a flat mesh VPN. I think Tailscale is probably perfect for developers who need to set up an ad hoc network. Maybe you're working on a project. I did this a couple of days ago. I threw Tailscale on a VM that I have running here in the studio so I could finish up a project from home. Just take seconds to get going. And Tailscale doesn't have issues with like a complicated firewall setup. No problem. Carrier grade net. No problem. I mean, I'm on double nat almost all the time these days i can also test that uh, tailscale works fantastic on starlink as well my rv systems are on the starlink system and uh, connected all the time over tailscale i get to my raspberry pi my odroid over tailscale it's so useful too for the business stuff if i need to get to dashboards and resources that are here in the studio i do it over tailscale from home and that's sometimes very complicated to set up we've tried all kinds of systems to manage wire guard access tailscale just makes it snap right in with our existing enterprise authentication system. And we can grant access through that. Of course, I love that it is built on top of WireGuard using the noise protocol for encryption. And that mesh network is as secure as it gets. It's a top-end technology. You can quickly and easily create a secure network between your servers, your computers, your mobile devices, your VMs, your cloud instances, 
you name it. I even have it on my home assistant, even when separated by crazy firewalls. So try it out, see why I love it, and then you'll start taking advantage of some of the other things, like Tailscale Send and Tailscale SSH. Those are really handy, and they just make being a Tailscale user even better. I have it running on everything, from Arch x86 servers to Raspberry Pis running OpenSUSE Tumbleweed. You will love it. Try it out right now and support the show by going to tailscale.com slash coder. That's right. You can try it for free for up to 20 machines when you go to tailscale.com slash coder. This is going to change your networking game. You can, you can thank me. It's fine. Go ahead. You can thank me. Tailscale.com slash coder. Chris, Chris, I have Wolf. Could we have Wolf Blitzer real quick? You, are you in the Situation Room right now? We have breaking news. This is great. Okay. This is CNN Breaking News. What are you learning, Mike? Well, how many Amazon employees have been laid off, Chris? Oh, okay. So, uh, well, well, they already did a whole bunch, Mike. So, there couldn't be more, right? We started today at 18,000. We've added another nine. Ooh. Yep. Mostly out of the AWS and Twitch division. Ooh. Twitch 2 now, huh? Twitch 2 now. And remember, Twitch just lost their CEO. Uh, this is reported by my favorite website, The Verge, and at this juncture, basically everywhere else. Do you think we're going to have like a term for this time that we're entering? You know, like how we've had the great financial crisis. The, or, or the dot-com bust, right? Yeah, they got the dot-com bust. Of course, there's classically the Great Depression. Do you think we'll end up getting one of those terms for this time? The great tech rebalancing, leveling? Mm, yeah, yeah, it's tech that's getting hit the hardest. You got to figure there's going to be... There's got to be at some point ramifications in services that we're going to notice uh, from Amazon, right? You don't just lay off this many people and not. It's also potentially, I mean, it's a bad thing in general, but we could see more startups being founded as long as they have a reliable bank. <laughs> well, so, um, you know, there's a lot going on still. We're trying, we're trying our best to just... Uh, Talk about other things, but since we've done it... Can I just address it a little bit, why this keeps yeah. coming up? So the problem now, right, for a show code Coder Radio, is the coding stuff actually... One, I didn't buy Web3, right? And I kind of poo-pooed it. I know Chris does this whole Bitcoin thing that's super cool. I hope you make lots of money. Woo! But yeah, actually, we both have been very, uh, I, th I would say, critical of the Web3 idea. I kind of buy the uh, chat GPT stuff. But that is not something that's going to be a huge opportunity for indies because it's going it, to literally, it's actually a pretty funny story, right? We probably should have had this in the notes. The guy who runs ChatGTP, the CEO, is like, yeah, doing things in the open was just a mistake. And everything's proprietary now. Yay. Um, yeah, it's unfortunately, we're not seeing a lot of interesting movement on like new opportunities for indies or you know small shops which is kind of what we tend to focus on you know it's uh i mean not to <laughs> just because you made fun of me uh the bitcoin space is developing like crazy right now lightning network is building out like crazy tons of apps and mobile apps but it's a very niche segment but i could see it i could see it being an area that uh expands you know at some point in the future yeah, you're right. There's like, what is the next wave that entrepreneurs are going to be able to, you know, uh, ride and uh, deliver solutions for the market? I, I don't see it right now. I don't see it right now either. It's not just the entrepreneurs, right? Why, why do you think all these big tech companies are so desperate to convince you that whatever their new hotness is, like AR glasses? Really? 
that are going to cost like or or chat chatbots chatbots hey hey that was a great idea this chat gpt stuff open ai stuff it's a lifeline right now yeah but it's a it's a it's a tough thing to get into right it's very capital intensive the fact that basically chat gpt had Azure build them, right? Had Microsoft build them a bunch of hardware. <laughs> it's not like you can be, you know, we're not in the halcyon days of 2008, 2009, where you could just be a guy with a MacBook building a whole business with very little, uh, or no, in my case, venture funding. It's it's different now. It's uh, It kind of sucks. And the reason I say that is because it's not because, like, the coders have gotten dumber. In fact, I think we're having more very good ways to get people in the industry. I love that a lot of the elitist bull has basically been cultured out. But the fact that we were drunk for 13 years on zero interest rates is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's going to keep coming up because it's like we were all on a bender for 13 years. And then when someone's like, remember that stupid thing you did? You're like, oh, it was the the zero interest rate martinis. Well, it's not even that. It's like, hey, remember that stupid house you bought and that stupid car you bought and that relationship you got in and that partnership that you made and that covenant that you drew up and that colony that you tried? Like, it's all these. Listen, I opened I opened the lid once. Okay, to the covenant. (laughs) Yeah. Never live it down. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like it's like you now you also have to live with all the all the ramifications of uh, the decisions right old sins have long shadows right that's basically it's so although we could scapegoat people such as svb bank and facebook right it's remote works fault it's totally remote works look we didn't want to collapse or look we didn't want to lay people off guys you did not have a choice the government shut you down first of all (laughs) they say is what happened is uh there was at svb this is being covered by axios and axios points out that the banking industry has been like one of the number one industries calling for return to home or return to work, I should say, and, and no longer working from home. And the executive team, though, at Silicon Valley Bank, while arguing that the staff should come home, the executive team was spread out around the country. The CEO uh, works from Hawaii, according to the Financial Times. But SVP, in their uh, annual report in 2022, put remote work as a risk to their business in part because of the IT issues posed when employees were dispersed around the country, but also, they say, because of productivity reasons. The FDIC, which now runs the bank, told staff they could continue working remotely, except for essential workers and branch employees. They had to come back. Well, branch employees, right? Like, certain things make sense. I'm not like a remote seller, but wasn't it just a... See, I'm I'm feeling better. You can tell I'm feisty again, right? (laughs) Got got a nice... I ate a lot of beef. I'm feeling great. Yeah. Me, I hung out with Tim the Toolman Taylor. Fantastic time. Only lost two fingers. Good stuff. (laughs) Wasn't it just like a year ago that all these like, especially Silicon Valley CEOs were writing their think pieces on how all these old businesses need to Get hip to remote work. Remember that? Oh yeah. Hey Mike, do you do you remember um, how Mark Zuckerberg was the one creating the metaverse where we could all meet in the metaverse, and they were telling us for like a year or two that it was like the bestest way to meet ever. And now Zuckerberg, uh, Mike, do you remember how now how Zuckerberg just laid off ten thousand people and is blaming remote work for more productivity loss? Do you remember that? Do you remember how I bought an Oculus too and was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try this, and then it was like, I'm going to vomit and I'm not doing this again? Yeah, it's. Uh, I was like, God, I want this to be great. You know, I could see another rev or two of it, maybe. 
I can actually see the idea working out, but it's just ironic that now they've they've ta- they've gone from remote work via VR is the best thing ever to our analysis shows that remote engineers that are working remotely don't perform very well, and those that are in person quote perform better on average than people who joined remotely end quote. Is it is it possible? I'm gonna I'm gonna fry some turkey bacon here. Oh, good for you, man. That's healthier, right? Yeah, health conscience that. It's just because we're in a place in the cycle where it's not the crazy, oh my God, whole new you know user interaction paradigm a la touchscreens, that the problems that need to be solved are just harder and require a little to a lot more, I don't know, just like investment. And in maybe internal improvements, cleaning up house a little bit. Yeah, because I I feel like, you know, as someone who does remote work with other devs all the time, the tooling has never been better. Um, It's never been easier. Visual Studio Code, the code with me thing is great. And Slack is serviceable, right? It's good. You know, you bring up a good point. It's funny. This is a solved problem for some companies. When I, when I joined Linux Academy, uh, one of the things that really surprised me when I got down to their office and got on the LAN was uh, everybody at their desk, there was a lot, it was a big building, everybody at their desk was connecting and using the same exact resources and systems that remote workers were, right? Google Office or Google Docs was their, you know, the Google Apps stuff. So you authenticated with the Google Apps stuff, Slack for communication. There wasn't a, a NAS. There wasn't a central file server that you had to VPN into. There weren't hosted applications that have been running on the LAN for years because they were a company that started in the age of the cloud and they were a cloud first company. And so the thing that was pretty nice is remote workers and people working in the office used the same exact tooling, the same exact processes, the same exact authentication infrastructure. If I was sitting on the Wi-Fi at Linux Academy or if I was sitting on the Wi-Fi here in the studio, I had the same exact process and and access. And I think what's harder is for companies that have a legacy where they built on-prem first and now they're trying to figure out how to incorporate work from home in a way that's secure and efficient. It's both cultural and technological. And there's just going to be some companies that are going to be better at it than others. And I think companies like yours and mine, smaller, they're going to be the ones that are more flexible and adaptable. And whatever, whatever the next wave or bull run or whatever you want to call it, whatever that is, I suspect that companies like yours and I that are positioned to take advantage of those, that kind of flexibility will be the ones that will be able to adapt and ride that wave. And uh, the companies that can't are just going to be once again left behind on yet another thing. Because, you know, when you're in the middle of the storm, it's really hard to see what the end looks like or how it's going to turn out. It's really rough. And so I think that's a good signal that we're we're not even we're not even close to the end of this. Whatever's going on economically, we're not even close to the end of it. No, no. But I, I think it is going to generate more remote work as, as if you are starting a firm today or even, you know, you just have one. Uh, every penny counts right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very much so. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, 
But what you can boost for your podcast. And that's why we are so grateful for our members and the boosters. And Dee Dee Smith comes in with 28,115 sats, you big old lobster. Hey, rich lobster! I hit it lucky and I earned 500 sats on Fountain. I've actually netted 30,000. So I thought I'd uh, Zoidberg <laughs> most, of it's, most of it away by boosting my zip code. Ah, all right. You ready for this? So this is a zip code boost. This is something that's been taken off on LUP, and it'd be fun to do on Coder, too, is people will boost in the amount of sats that is their zip code, and then I take it over here to Googs Maps, and uh, I look it up. Yesterday, we actually had a guy send in his uh, longitude and latitude because he was in Antarctica. Uh, North Carolina. All right. Oh, that's some good barbecue. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, uh, it looks like a nice area, too. It's not too far from, like resources like shopping areas lice good little area right there all right so dd writes on uh sad i missed the meetup in raleigh last year i was busy with the kids and easter activities you got to do them while you can i wanted to try and boost lup since that's the zip code discussion has been but the boost button wasn't showing up so uh make sure mike and west share all right i don't know if uh, mike wants any of my dirty sats but i'll make sure he gets some i i i i'm good either way Sharing is caring. <laughs> um, you know, we could put you in the split. You just got to go sign up for Albie. The uh, the uh, zip code discussion should come over to Coder, though. I would love to hear people's zip codes. And then um, the thing about the boost button not showing up, it has to be a feed that's that's served up by the podcast index because that's where the value block gets inserted at the moment. Speaking of the podcast index, the pod sage boosted in Dave Jones with 12,000 sats. Now, here's his take on the TikTok ban. I want to know what you think, Mike. He says, the TikTok ban is only about one thing, protecting American tech companies, media companies, and social media companies from competition because TikTok is crushing everybody else on advertising revenue. Guess who hasn't had to lay anyone off? TikTok. Eh, I mean, this is where me being old, I, I, I kind of don't love the TikTok conversation because I, I fundamentally don't get the point of it. I've tried. Oh, I think you should listen to episode uh, 509 of the Coda Radio program, where we cover the Restrict Act, where this TikTok ban is basically a backdoor to give the Secretary of Commerce the ability to ban, ban any app, any app yeah. or any app update from the App Store. I think Dave might be right that it is also about advertising. So that's probably why the big tech companies aren't panicking. I was wondering, like, why isn't Apple and Google having every lobbyist in the world stopping this from happening? Do they want to give control of their app store to the federal government? That seems crazy. Maybe they do. And maybe it's a better trade because it secures their advertising biz. I guess. I. So this is where I'm old, Gandalf. Is it that alluring, TikTok? Is it like, I know it's huge, and I guess I'd be sold. I just don't understand why. I think it's the youths, you know? They're worried that the it's really got the youths. I know it's the youths. Yeah, I just, I mean, sure. I, I just find it, we talked about it in 509, my skepticism, uh, but I do know the government would like to ban arbitrary software whenever they want, and yet that's, yeah. You know, TikTok must be onto something when every other social media platform is trying to rip off shorts of some, some kind. Yeah, but how many times has Facebook ripped off Snapchat? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I feel like there's just, this, this whole social media thing is a trend. I hope, man. That's why I've never, you know what, can I tell you something? Not to make, not to try to out old man you. I've never seen a TikTok and I've never been to TikTok. I've I've seen a TikTok like that's been copied to YouTube that's on my kid's iPad. So I'm I'm familiar with what TikToks are and how obnoxious they are. 
but I have never been to the website, never installed the app, never created an account, never, ever, ever. I've just been hunkered down in my old man corner hoping this fad passes. I've seen them secondhand. And I, they all remind me of like those dumb, annoying videos on Facebook, like the ice bucket challenge and like all that kind of stuff. Well, it's, it's like, what are my two options? A, it's either going to be dumb and annoying or B, it's going to be great and hook me. Like, I don't want either one of those. <laughs> there is plenty of Star Trek for us to watch. Yeah. The best way to not get hooked is to never start. Uh, Jin from Atik comes in with a row of ducks. Hi, Mike and Chris. You talked about this subject numerous times on how to finance free software. Here's a ZDNet article about how a Linux user was not willing to pay for games on Linux. You know, there is a a wing of the Linux community that is very anti-paying for anything. Um, even, even membership feeds and stuff like that or software. Um, but I think that's just a loud minority um, I think most professionals that are using Linux to get a job done are willing to pay for quality software. But it is a bit of a problem, Jin, that I don't think is as prevalent on Mac OS or Windows. Hard to say, though. Don't know. The Golden Dragon comes in with a row of ducks. I do wonder, with costs rising in the cloud, if this could be an end to smaller cloud providers. Great show, as always. I also worry about that. I think that's probably true yeah. to a certain degree. I think it's probably already happened. Yeah, all there used to be a couple, couple years ago a n- number of like boutique like baby Linodes. Well, and when you and I first started doing the show, it wasn't that weird to have an actual physical server in a rack somewhere. No, it wasn't. But there were like even ones that were we host Rails apps, right? Or like whatever you're, you know, they've all been kind of more or less full. I'm sure you could find an example that survived, but folded into the big boys. You don't hear much about Rackspace anymore, do you? That's because they charge too much money. The Golden Dragon came in with 2048 sats. Ribeye for breakfast with some eggs and hash browns. Ooh. Oh, it's a fantastic way to start the day, he says. I agree. Mm. Haven't, I don't do that often. Agree with you. The council does. So there was this one, and I remember it. This is how great I felt. I'm not even kidding. I had a breakfast meeting at a really nice little diner that no longer exists nearby the studio. Ribeye. Uh, I think I had a over hard egg, maybe a scramble. Nice. And a glass of orange juice and a glass of water. And I never felt more energy in the morning after, because usually I eat that and I would pass out, but something that's just the right day. I felt so good. I've never forgotten. I've tried to replicate it and I've gotten close, but never hit that peak moment. It must've been just the right hunger, just the right amount of sleep and just the amount of right amount of ribeye. I uh, dragon comes in with another 1024 sets, the one ring and paradox engine plus some spells is just incredible is that some magic that is some magic the gathering goodness yes it is the the, now the one ring's not out yet so yeah there's the whole lord of the rings that we talked about last week oh Oh, yeah don't tempt me frodo (laughs) brendan the penguin also comes in with a row of ducks so mike's take on objective c flowing i have that same feeling about delphi good just clean binaries are small and no reliance on the dotnet framework the speed and ease I can throw a quick app in Delphi together is awesome. Yes, .NET wraps everything and makes it easier for new devs. But is it making some devs more lazy? Yes, my shop is primarily .NET, but it's just my gray beard. Dark matter dev opinion. Thanks for the awesome shows, as usual. Thanks, Brennan the Penguin. I like it, yeah. I mean, I will say somebody sent me a small talk article this week, which oh. I was very surprised about. Yeah, you know, is it making devs lazy? I don't know. I, I feel like .NET is getting bigger by the second. 
so I've been writing some a lot of Objective C, far less Swift recently, and I can tell you that well Objective C just because the nature of the project the work is harder because it's intertwined with C plus plus and it's just big. Uh, Swift is just a pain in the ass all the time because it's like oh no you have to you have to unwrap that you have to you have to cover all, it's rusty and right you got to cover all the cases where sometimes you just want to hack something together and say this is a prototype. Yeah, 100%. Often that's where you got to start, right? So that's very nice. That's right. Mere Mortals comes in with a row of ducks. You Americans in your banks, so crazy. So glad I'm here in Australia where I can't be affected by any of this. Right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It's, it continues. I would uh, hold on to your boomerang if I was you. Yeah. The storm is uh, not over yet. And then we got one more. Boy, the Golden Dragon, you on fire, girl. He's just in this. I love this. Yeah, man. It's not a girl. Well, you know what? A Golden Dragon comes in with one more row of ducks. Man, I love me some fired up Chris. So here are some thoughts. Because I was getting fired up about the uh, bailouts. Uh, this is definitely a second and third order effects of the money printer. And we definitely are headed for that again. I worry they'll just go another 13-year capitalist heroin binge and then just redo 08 again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the market seems to think the money printer is go. Um, oh, are you kidding? Yeah, of course. Well, last night, let's see if I, I think I made it. I might have saved the link. Last night, Sunday, as we record, the Fed announced a coordinated central bank action to, quote, enhance the provision of U.S. dollar liquidity by opening daily dollar swap lines with all major central banks. And uh, the other central banks also released uh, press releases saying the same thing to, quote, improve the swap lines effectiveness in, in providing U.S. dollar funding. The central banks are currently offering U.S. dollar operations have agreed to increase the frequency of seven day maturity operations from weekly to daily. So there'll just be more money available in the system, which um, I think the market thinks is like step one in a multi-step process for uh for the burr baby essentially quantitative easing to go back yeah i i just want to say if if you are thinking of starting a company and can bootstrap right now and you're in tech i think our benders are coming back maybe you gotta you gotta make it like four years but we'll see i don't i don't know if that necessarily means they're done raising rates but we'll see we'll see OA guy one comes in just to round us out and uh with a thousand sats and says seems like pbs actually is agreeing with you guys uh, they put out a documentary that is worth a good watch, and it is called, you ready for this, The Age of Easy Money, and it came out this last Sunday, and it is basically an hour of Mike and Chris were right. <laughs> I think we should all, right now, donate some sats to PBS, because yeah. <laughs> they're beautiful, and you know, yeah. you guys could have us on PBS and pay us. It, I actually think... The the documentary misses the mark a couple of times, but overall, I think it's definitely worth a watch. Um, sometimes, like they 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 talk about the symptom, but they don't talk about what causes it uh, in some occasions. But very grateful for the boost we got this week. There has been some bad news that's come up, and you know those boosts come in. I have them up on a dashboard in my office. Sometimes they just come in at the perfect moment. Uh, it's nice to know that even when we're struggling in other areas that we have the audience support out there, including our members as well, coderqa.co, if you'd like to sign up and get an ad-free version of the show and the Coderly when we can. We're working on that. And it's a great way to support the show while getting access to that. If you are, um, if you've gotten access to a member feed, 
maybe accidentally just fell off the back of a truck. Just so you know, member feeds will be changing in the future as we work on some backend stuff. Um, of course, the members don't have to do anything, but the feeds that have been posted publicly, those will probably break. So it's a good chance to sign up to at coderqa.co. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the good people this week before we get out of here? Uh, I would send the good people to at Dumanyuku on both the bird and elephant sites. And yes. check out Gomer Radio, Gomer, Gamer Radio, an episode, I think, hit the feed this morning. Ooh, nice. Maybe. Apologies if uh, our our episodes of Coder showed up in your all shows feed a little late. There's a backend provider. Like I said, we had some struggles this week. I think it's the same it was, backend provider. I tell you what, man. I yeah, tell you what. It is. Yeah. Well, it's it should be resolved now. Yeah, I think it should fine. be. Yeah. And of course, the show always gets posted at coder.show. You can get the show notes and links for this particular episode at coder.show slash five ten. You see how that works? Nice and easy. Woo. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Web page. Woo! you'll find our contact form there we're a little light on the emails we'd love to get those as well our rss feed so you can subscribe and get the show when it publishes when our powerful editor drew gets it published and of course you can join us live mondays at uh, 9 a.m pacific noon eastern at jupiter.tube or jblive.tv that's where we stream it we've got that live chat thanks for joining us on this week's episode see you back here next week 